0: And I am the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. I want to encourage you to take a look at our website. You can go to that by going to www.nvcoc.net. Click on that radio mic and you'll find not only this episode, but all our previous episodes on Redeeming the Time. Good stuff there. We've worked through a couple of books of the Bible. Revelation was the most recent and I want to try to probably get back into that and doing a few of those things uh, later on in the future. Well, the weather is warming up. It's feeling great out here. Yesterday, I, I managed to put together the... Uh, we, we Here at North Valley Church of Christ, uh, we're up here off of Dynamite Road in Cave Creek, just on the south part of it, right by Scottsdale and by Phoenix as well. But anyway, a while back, we purchased a commercial... Playground set. We got it used. We got it real cheap, but it didn't have any instructions. So me and Chad, a member here, he's a general contractor. We we puzzled it together, which was actually kind of fun. Cemented all the poles in, and there there were twelve of those, and got it all put together. It took us forever trying finding the time to get out there and doing it. Yesterday we got it finished, and my kids played on it. Boy, they loved it. And that, that's great. We have more things coming on that. It's great. Seeing the children play and, and have fun. It's such a uh, blissful moment, isn't it? With all the stress and everything going on out there in the world, to, to sit back and watch children, you know, without a care in the world, having a good time and enjoying themselves, I love that. I need that. It helps me to kind of disconnect from the difficulties of life. But even more than that, Is keeping my mind, keeping my perspective on who I am and where I'm going, right? And that's difficult, isn't it? To always try to remember who we are. I'm not just, you know, Chris Macy. I'm not just a minister at North Valley or a, an American citizen or or whatever label that you know is put out there because based on my skin color or my heritage or where I live or whatever there's something far greater. I'm a child of God. And that means something far more than anything that this world has to offer. Everything this world has to offer is going to go away, right? So it's nice to have these things, nice to have the computer and the clothes, the car, the house, all these things, and the, the play set. But those things won't last forever. One day I'm going to die. My kids will die a long, long time from now. People will only rem- could care less what I have or what I did. But what will matter is what's after this life. When Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, he emphasized the concept of citizenship. Now, this was due to the fact that the people of Philippi were proud of their Roman citizenship. They were proud of it, and rightfully so. There's nothing wrong with that. But Paul reminds them, these Christians, that they have a greater citizenship in heaven. So here's the text that Paul writes. He writes in Philippians 3, verses 17 to 21. He says, Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I often told you, and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame who set their minds on earthly things, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory, by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. The original name for the city of Philippi, and I, I hope I pronounced this correctly, was Crindis. Crindis. It meant the little fountains. And that's because, you know, there were numerous springs nearby. Now the region around Crindus, Philippi, was rich in deposits of gold and silver. Philip of Macedonia recognize the value of this region. So in 356 BC, he annexed the territory, enlarged and fortified that town, and then renamed it to Philippi, which means pertaining to Philip. So you're you're king, you get to name things after yourself. Pertaining to Philip. All that gold and silver, lots, lots. He begins to work the mines and puts a lot of effort into it. And um, He secures more than a thousand talents of gold and silver per year. That's an extraordinary amount of money every year. It's ridiculous. And so with this newly acquired wealth, he began to enlarge and modernize his Macedonian army, as well as increase the boundaries of his country. Yet, his military campaigns and expeditions were expensive. He did, however, discover the fine art of bribery. It is reported that he's made this statement no fortress was impregnable in whose walls a donkey laden with gold could be driven. He sent this gold out like an advanced guard. And with it, he opened more gates than all those battering rams and catapults he had put together. The territorial uh, expansion began by by Philip, continued on an even greater scale by his son, whom you more than likely know, Alexander the Great. Two centuries after Philip founded the city, Philippi, Rome conquers Macedonia. Philip's gone... uh, Alexander the Great has gone, so Rome comes in, they they conquer the land, and they divide it into four political districts. By this time, the gold mines, the silver mines, all that's been exhausted, and Philippi had been reduced to just a small, dinky little settlement, a a nothing, a nobody uh, settlement. However, in 42 B.C., there occurred an event of such proportions that it will change the complexion of this ancient city. Following the assassination of Julius Caesar, there was a struggle for authority among Roman leaders. In vying for power, there was this historic battle that took place at Philippi, 42 BC. On one hand, there was Brutus and Cassius. They were defending the Roman Republic. And on the opposing side was Mark Anthony and Octavian who desired to avenge Caesar's death after two fierce engagements. Anthony and Octavian were victorious. Brutus and Cassius, well, they died. Later, Octavian wanted to be the sole leader of the Roman Empire. Mark Anthony had, by this time, he's gotten distracted. He was uh, liking the queen of Egypt, Cleopatra. And so battles between Anthony and Octavian ensued. And both Anthony and Cleopatra, when they realized the hopelessness of their cause, they both committed suicide. Octavian was now emperor of Rome. His new name, Caesar Augustus. And he claimed to be a god. And that people came to regard him as a god. Now, Philippi helped out in that first battle back in 42 And so they were granted as a Roman colony. As such, it was a Rome in miniature, a reproduction, you could say, on a small scale of the imperial city. It was often referred to as a Rome away from Rome. Her inhabitants received the full rights of Roman citizenship, which included freedom from scourging, freedom from arrest, except in extreme cases, and the right to appeal to the emperor. Even though they lived in a colony of Rome, the citizens of Philippi had their names enrolled on the register in Rome. The pride of being Roman became evident throughout the city. The language of Rome, which was Latin, was adopted by Philippi. The citizens loved the dress and the style of the Romans. They kept up with the latest Roman fashions. The insignias of Rome could be seen throughout the city. Even the coins of Philippi bore Latin inscriptions. The inhabitants of the city enjoyed the protections of Rome from her enemies and were exempted for paying tribute to other countries. It was likely in the year 50 A.D., when the Apostle Paul first arrived in Philippi. You may remember reading about that in the book of Acts. He was there because he had seen a vision from God. And in that vision he saw a man pleading for him to come down to Macedonia to help them. That's Acts 16.9. There was no synagogue in the city. But he found that place over there where the women were gathered for worship. And he taught and baptized Lydia, her household. He cast out that evil spirit from a slave girl. But this infuriated her masters who made a prophet from that girl and the spirit that possessed her. So that landed Paul in jail. But even here, Paul had opportunity to speak the gospel to the jailer, resulting in his baptism and his whole household. And it's obvious when you read through Acts 16 from Luke's narrative that the spirit and atmosphere of Philippi was Roman throughout. Luke specifies that Philippi was a Roman colony. And when the slave girl's owners appealed to the magistrates of the city, they claimed Paul was violating Roman law. And when it was discovered that Paul was himself a Roman citizen, this, these magistrates became very nervous because they feared that Rome might be displeased with them if it got out that they had imprisoned a fellow citizen unjustly. Philippi never wanted to offend Rome. Rather, they wanted to be like Rome and sought the approval of her. When Paul writes this letter to the Philippians, it is the year 61 A.D. And he has been imprisoned in Rome. One of the truths that Paul wants the Philippian Christians to grasp has to do with their citizenship. He wants them to see that they are a colony of heaven. As citizens of Philippi, they know what it meant to be a colony of a far-off city. Paul wants them to adjust their vision away from Rome and to now focus in the same way on heaven. He wants them to have the perspective that they are citizens of heaven. Like the patriarchs of old, remember? Who were looking for the city whose architect and builder is God. That's Hebrews 11.10. They are to focus on heaven during their years on earth. Whenever a Christian turns his eyes toward heaven, he'll begin to see his life in this here and now as a stranger, an exile on earth. This is the way Paul viewed this realm. His heart was not here, but in heaven. He was always on a journey, right? A journey home. And he urges his fellow Christians, those in Philippi, you and me here today, to follow his example. Now, Paul had a great concern for some who did not live up to the standards of heavenly citizenship. He spoke of them, even weeping, just as Jesus wept over the lost condition of Jerusalem. And these were Christians who lived for this realm and whose eyes were turned away from heaven. He describes them in our text in Four ways. Let me repeat them for you. Here's the first one. They are enemies of the cross. The cross declares to the world a doctrine of self sacrifice, right? It does. But these false Christians, teachers, the false Christian teachers, live for themselves, and they refuse to deny themselves anything that they might want in the world. The cross stands there as a great antagonist to all uh, who are are worldly-minded. They should not be that way. They're enemies of the cross. Number two, their end is destruction. Although they have been baptized and they do go to worship, these worldly-minded folks will not be saved. Their, number three, their God is their appetite. Now that term appetite, that's a, a Greek word that means, it's the Greek word for belly, your belly. So their priority in life, their real objective in this life of their devotion is self-indulgence. Self-indulgence, and whatever, they, whatever it takes, you know, anything it takes to make my belly feel happy. I want it all. It's all for self. They have never died and lived for Christ. They are enemies of the cross. Their end is destruction. Their God is their appetite. Number four and the last one, they set their minds on earthly things. Earthly things. They live for the moment. They live for the here and now. They belong to the earthly order of things. This is where their interests lie and, and where their thoughts are centered. This description typifies the ancient Romans who, who gave themselves over to, to to every gratification of the flesh? You know, we I, I, we might also note that it sounds very simil, uh, familiar or similar to the modern citizens of America. I, I'm, I hate saying that. We it's a blessing to be in this country. It's a blessing. It is great that, that all that God has given us. But we got to keep these things in the right priority, in the right understanding. Same with Philippi. What a blessing! to be a citizen of Philippi, to be a a citizen of Rome. But how are you using those things? Are are you allowing that to skew reality and the truth? You will know the truth, Jesus says, and the truth will set you free. What are you talking about? Well, the truth shows reality. Here's what reality is. You're going to die. All these things that you're, you're vying for in this world, so what? What will it come to? It's okay to have them. God wants us to enjoy life. But don't lose perspective. And that's what Paul wants the Philippians to see. Don't lose your perspective. Know who you are. Know what you have and what, in, in Christ, in, in the promises of God in heaven. And so, the apostle Paul wants these Christians at Philippi to, to change their perspective, Right? He wants them to see themselves as citizens of heaven. And this concept is taught throughout, all throughout, the New Testament. We are people who are born from above. John 3, verses 1 through 5. Our names are inscribed on a heavenly register. Not in Rome. Not in America. Heaven. Revelation 20, verse 15. Our lives are governed by a heavenly standard, Ephesians 5.1. Our investments are laid up in heaven, Matthew 6.20. And those are good investments. Those are eternal investments. Yeah, I got my Roth 401k and it's growing. I love it. And I'd like to retire if I get to live that long. I could die today or tomorrow or who knows. So I ought to be investing in things that really matter. And if I have the right perspective, I can. And our inheritance is reserved for us there in heaven. 1 Peter 1, 3-5 through It is because we are heavenly citizens that Paul can say that we are eagerly waiting for the Lord. We live in a colony. We are citizens of a land far away, right? But there is one coming from the Fatherland. He is coming for us in order that he might take us home christians are people who ought to be looking for something they are waiting for someone to come they are they they take no pride in this realm they have no roots here no no confidence in, in or glory in the earth we are they are christians are waiting for something better better So as Christians of heaven, we are presently forced to endure the hardships of being assigned to an outpost of our heavenly city. Life is not easy out here, away from home. There's a lot of difficulties out there, right? A lot of hardships. Things that we deal with at home. Things we deal with at work or at school or at college or wherever it might be. Even driving down the road can be frustrating. Don't lose perspective. But these things, these hardships here in life is this way because we now exist in a body of a humble state. Our frame is dust, right? From dust we were made to dust we will return. We are susceptible To all the distractions of this realm. Not just the good ones, but the bad ones. Like driving down the road on the 101 during uh, rush hour. Don't get distracted by that. Keep your perspective on heaven. It's not easy keeping our eyes focused on heavenly things while in this earthly body. It takes grit and determination to keep a proper perspective of who we are. We are so prone to the desires of this realm in which we now live. Our bodies are are, are a vehicle of sin and we struggle within to keep ourselves free from the contamination of this foreign soil. So, we eagerly wait. We long to go home and be done with this war of the flesh. Done with it. Done with the war of the flesh and the spirit to complete, complete this pilgrimage and get home. Anxious for a transformed body that the Lord is going to give us. And it is a body that will be suited for an eternal life. A sinless existence with Him. He's coming back for us. We can hardly wait until He arrives. Lord, come quickly. That's because we are always looking toward what? Heaven. Perspective. Perspective. It is amazing that in our modern times, as we witness the fact that so many people want to come to America, and can you begrudge them that? Honestly? I mean, yeah, I am. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm against illegal immigration. You ought to follow the law. Whether you agree with the law or not, doesn't matter. That's the law. God told us, Christians, you submit to the government. Submit. And if you're, tra- you're going to come here, great. Do it properly. I want everyone to have the blessings and the benefits that we have. But do it properly. And I can't be upset with anyone who wants to come here. You want a better life. And many risk their lives, their very lives, to get here. The reason's simple. They have a vision of life in this country that is so superior to their own homeland. If you and I could gain the vision Paul had of heaven then we would see how wonderful it is by comparison to what we have in this earthly country. If we could see heaven as he saw it, we would never be happy with the prospect of remaining here. Paul was moving toward heaven. He could genuinely proclaim, For me, to die is gain. He would prefer to die, if he had his choice, he was anxious to go home. Now, we can, we can get distracted by the glitter of this realm, right? That we find ourselves looking away from heaven, forgetting the journey home. It is possible that we can actually fear dying. Simply because we do not want to let go of what we have in the here and now. Not just because of the stuff, even family, children, grandchildren. We want to be here. You know, in Paul, he, yeah, he wanted to stay and help the Philippians, but he really wanted to go home. He could see the benefits of staying and the benefits, but the far better benefits of going home. I see the benefits of me staying for my children, but I know where I'm going and what's awaiting me. Man, I want to go there. But I want to make sure my children can go there too. And as many people as I possibly can help find that truth. It has been almost 2,000 years since Paul wrote this letter, the Philippian letter, to the church in Philippi. Today, someone came up and said, I have a Roman citizenship. You and I would say, Roman citizenship? You mean Italian? Because there is no Roman citizenship. No one cares about that. It doesn't carry any kind of clout. The city of Philippi lies in ruins the things in which the citizens of Philippi and Rome took pride in, it no longer exists. It was all temporary. And that is also the reality of our American way of life. If we could see, only see things as Paul saw them, we could also live as Paul lived. All the glory of this realm meant nothing to him. He left behind such earthly pursuits as wealth and position and power and prestige. He dropped everything that he once sought, turned around, and began walking home with his eyes always where? On heaven. In less than a hundred years from now, nobody is going to think much about you. They don't, they're not going to care what kind of car you drive, the kind of house you live in, the condition of your clothing or the size of your bank account. That'll, that'll mean nothing to anyone who cares. In less than 100 years, we will all be gone from this world, forgotten by all those we were trying to impress with our earthly accomplishments. Therefore, let us refocus our attention, to what truly is of value and never-ending. Let us see ourselves as citizens of heaven and drop the mad pursuit of the affairs of this temporary world. Let us follow Paul, who followed Jesus, all the way home. Thank you for spending your afternoon with me here for just a little while. I pray that the Lord will bless you, even with the physical things of this life, that you may share it with others. But above all that, I pray you never lose perspective. You're always keeping your eyes above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Remember that. Study your Bibles. Know who you are. And the God of peace will be with you. Thank you. And God bless. Sit and doubt to sweep away Till Shodan the better day Ring it out Ring it out Ring it out Ring it out Till the sinful world be won For Jehovah's mighty Son Bring it out Ring it out Ring it out Ring it out This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ.